Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast, the home of upper class banter. Myself, Stuart Court, and Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? Two podcasts in two weeks, Stu. They said it couldn't be done. Uh huh. The haters. I think <laughs> we, we should have like a diss track ready because the haters. <laughs> I don't know why my wife's put her hand up and is waving at me when I said the haters in the next room. That's pretty, uh, quite rude. <laughs> but um, I put her on blast when, when, when the bin comes around. Um, but yeah, the haters said it couldn't be done, but back we are. Week two, pod two. Let's do it. Yeah. And uh, last week we spent half an hour dancing around the fact of like not committing ourselves to something that could be a freezing cold take in a few weeks. And it took four days for us to the the Irish jig we did around the subject the the Seahawks got a um got a big boy win on Sunday Adam. mega and actually I think we deserve well we deserve all the respect in the world anyway but you know if we had to get some more flowers for our magnificent performances on this podcast I would say that not dancing on the Seahawks grave last week after a bad result uh, was probably the right way to go. And whilst I'm sure there would be certain podcasts with people that pretending to care about the team more than they actually do, doing some nice ranting and raving, uh, think about who I mean. You probably get it at some point. Um, likes kickers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, fake mm-hmm. banter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, some people like that perhaps, you know, may have been making out like it was DEFCON 1 at the end of the Rams game, but... We were more reserved, and uh, I think history will judge us well on that. That we we talked about it as a dreadful game, which it was, <laughs> which it more than was. But <laughs> you know, the team were not that bad, or not as bad as they showed against the Rams. And uh, I'm really pleased that um, they came through on Sunday. Although, look, it could have been you know, you're a coin toss, maybe away from being zero two, but you just got to go with it and say thank God for that. And also, also um, the Rams give all they could for the Niners as well, didn't they? So that kind of like adds context to maybe like what was it in uh, in Rothmans at the end of the season, week one loss to the Rams might not look as bad as it did. I mean, no, I mean they look a, they, they look a team that could easily finish five hundred if you know, especially when Cup comes back and there's enough bad teams in the NFL as the last couple of weeks have shown and I don't think the Rams one of them that I think they can pick off more than enough results to have a respectable season. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, on, but one thing we did touch on last week is the juice was lacking the week before. They, what was it? They they wanted it more and all that stuff kind of uh, riled us a bit. But the the juice kind of initially, although we got burnt a couple of times with a near uh, uh, DPI and then obviously on the flea flicker. But the rookie, the fifth round, the fifth overall pick. He he kind of bought some of that juice we talked about that was lacking in week one, didn't he? Like just just that, that little bit of swagger to just enjoying the play when you make a play kind of thing. That, that that was kind of lacking week one, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the kids do the sort of he is him or I am him kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, you know, for all the stick he gets, Jamal Adams is the kind of person that has that type of attitude. And you know, we know what these guys go through on a Sunday to get themselves from minute naught to minute 60. And it takes a ridiculous amount of mentality. And sometimes having a player like Witherspoon come in on day one and say, yeah, look, you know, got beat, but the rest of the stuff he did was really good mm-hmm. and aggressive and in their face and showed the sort of swag that we're looking for from the team. And 
I don't think you can quantify the importance of people like that, especially when they can back it up. And I, I thought, albeit made a mistake, but I, I've always thought of Fee Flicker is the most impossible. It's, it's the people's elbow of NFL plays. I don't know how you stop it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, um, it's just, uh, but it's like, it's, it's one of those things that they're allowed to do that too. Like their OC is allowed to target a rookie in his debut who's no, who's like all we heard about him for six months is how aggressive he is. Like you can yeah. play on that, what, a quarter and a half, a quarter into his LFR debut, don't they? They're allowed to do uh, good shit too, and they did. And they, yeah, they, uh, but he, he, I think it was the open field tackle and the run, the initial attack after the catch. I think he's really unlucky on the DPR. I think Pete kind of uh, hinted at that on his uh, press stuff on Monday. But, um, but yeah. I mean, what you um, would say about Witherspoon is he's certainly not the player with the number two in his number that uh, made the worst diagnosis of a play. On, on Sunday on Sunday night after what Daryl Taylor did to Jared Goff <laughs> with the I ball mean, about 15 yards downfield. Yeah, but also the best thing is that the all 22 shows that he celebrated, celebrated. as well, which is just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, I'll start seeing the main headline from it. I think the one, maybe facing the most questions, like Pete's going to face questions every week, but Gino was starting to, after what, how the last season ended with him, yeah. but that's, that's as good as it, that's as good as it's been from him, isn't it? And th- another thing is as good as it's because he was dealing again, dealing up against a pretty ferocious, um, persistent D line that the Lions have an aggressive D line because they're as aggressive as any team in the NFL at pretty much any which uh, facet you can think of, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember every single game, but I think. That was the best quarterback game I'd seen from a Seahawk since I think Wilson in Philadelphia in that game against Mark Sanchez and Chip Kelly, where they had two, I think, cover zero beaters to Doug Baldwin over the top. And Wilson was just so in control and dealing Mm. even more than like the let Russ cook four or five games, which were a bit more random. I just thought the way Gino controlled the offense was unbelievable. And I'm speaking as a guy that doesn't necessarily think Gino is the guy forever, but I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, everything they did, he just looked so in control of it. And uh, it was, it was great to watch You know, I, ne- I never felt concerned that, you know, something wasn't going to work when we had the ball on offense. Yeah. And there was nine different uh, Seahawks offensive players had a, um, a reception on uh, Sunday, um, which kind of like DK, Sat out probably what a couple of drives, drive and a half maybe, with a, a rib. Was it a rib injury? I think it was. Um, mm. But he came back. He, he put me. I, th- I think a lot of DK coming back. It's, it appeared to be just decoy to free up Tyler, and all three tight ends got involved um, after being shut out of the game uh, the week before. But that's this. It's kind of. We, we, we've we've heard a lot about what this offense is supposed to look like. The targets that Gino's got, and he use pretty much all of them in ways that, I mean, the, yeah, that, that's kind of what we kind of expected to see from this offense, isn't it? It's sharing the wealth kind of thing. We've got three tight ends that are pretty, with different like contracts and draft statuses as well. And on Sunday, they kind of all like carried the load a bit. And But again, thanks to Gino being as on it as he's been through 20-odd games of Seahawks starter. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there'll be some experts that can explain why it happened, but you watch the way that Gino managed to, 
you know, anything short yardage, even, you know, medium yardage, it was just roll out, pick up a tight end, you know, someone would trundle for a first down. How that could even be the same team that played the Rams last week, it just doesn't make any sense. They they looked on Sunday like, yeah, you know, they were occasionally stopped, but it, it felt like they could almost do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted, uh, especially with sort of, you know, three tight end sets or, you know, when when they weren't, didn't have three receivers on the field and they went a bit more, you know, big body. They just looked like they could do whatever they wanted. And that extends to Kenneth Walker being really good uh, and explosive. And even like when he went side to side a little bit more than you might like, he made, he, he made, there, there were, there was method to what he was doing every yeah. time. It wasn't just random seeking yardage, but the number of times it was just a little play action dump off to a tight end that just picked up four or five yards. Uh, it was it was picky poison stuff at times on Sunday. Yeah, which is exactly what it's. But look, the thing we can walk is seventeen carries for forty odd yards. It's not great, but like you said, there was like it was kind of like those body that body blow kind of thing, wasn't it, with Walker on um, Sunday? Because he had a few where he got on the second level, but where the stat sheet doesn't show really what. Um, what it actually looked like, and it, it was it was all it was just apart from maybe the last couple of drives in the fourth quarter, so that horrific uh, nineteen snack <laughs> on third down, which uh, give them them a chance to um, tie the game in the field goal. It was yeah, it was it was as as good as it was bad against the Rams and Shane Waldron spread the wealth and Gino delivered some pretty impressive throws and tight windows and off balance kind of thing. It was it was. Offensively, pretty damn uh, good, and all that with Stone Forsyth and Jake Curhan at tackle, Adam. And it seems like it sounds like it's going to be the same this week against uh, the Panthers. But also, it sounds like the out of nowhere forty-one-year-old Jason Peters signing last week maybe had a bit of a bit, bit of an impact on them. Just, just getting prepared and getting ready, and like having that bit of confidence and being able to shut down the Aiden Hutchinsons of the world. I have to be honest. If Charles Cross and Abe Lucas were available this Sunday, I would still go with the same two that played in Detroit, just because I think it's the right thing to do to professional athletes. I think if if people step up to the mark and play in a pretty hostile environment and perform that well, you know, it's not like Charles Cross and Abe Lucas are at this stage, you know, vaunted into the Hall of Fame, or you know, they're not really. You know, people don't talk about them as pro bowl tackles just yet. Um, I think I would stick with a hot hand regardless. And in, in a way, you know, obviously you would like to have your best guys back just in case they can't replicate their performance on Sunday. But I'm looking forward to seeing how, you know, Curran and, and Forsyth go on Sunday in a game that you'd hope the Seahawks should have a fairly decent handle on. Because when you're talking about Walker and his stats, it's the last thing you would have expected is for us to dominate the trenches up front in the passing game, but maybe struggle a bit in the running game. You would you would have thought that they'd maybe lean on the run to try and take the load off the the tackles. But if anything, they look much more settled just sitting back there on, on passing downs than they did trying to get a push on runs. Yeah. Um that interior line as well though. So obviously Evan Brown the center was out for a couple of um for a bit again on Sunday. There's a lot of like in and out on Sunday. But Last year, Gabe Jackson was horrific at right guard, and Phil Haynes has been been around the team for a few years. He is a late round pick, but him and Lewis either side of whoever's playing centre is kind of they've had a a steady 
pretty decent start, haven't they? Obviously, they faced Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. But on Sunday, there was like Gino went 32 41 a week after he went 10 for 62 or whatever it was on last Sunday against the Rams. So it's like this the the, the praise or whatever it is on offense kind of can be shared around while maintaining that it, again, it is only two weeks into the season. But the Phil Haynes, it's just mad that Phil Haynes looks so much better than someone like Gabe Jackson did last year in exactly the same. It's, it's very strange how they just kept with Gabe all season last year. Yeah, I mean, this is purely hypothetical, but I wonder if having an offense that is much more picked with poison than having nine different receivers, I don't know if that sort of scrambles the defense a little bit more than it does when you just worry it's DK and Tyler and Kenneth Walker are going to be the guys that you get involved. I, you know, I don't know if that means that it, it forces the defensive coordinator to drop some guys he wouldn't or press with some guys that he otherwise wouldn't, or is he going to blitz or is he going to go, you know, I think they, they rushed with three uh, at one point on Sunday. So I just wonder if everything that Shane Waldron did made everyone else better on offense and just eased the pressure a bit on the, on the tackles, on the interior, because it was so varied and there was so much variety in what they were doing on offense. It was very difficult to call the game up against them. Yeah, and we still haven't really seen much from JSN either, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who uh, appears to be just being eased back in after um, a broken wrist during the summer. But like that is another level to it because they, they got nine receivers, including JSN, but there was it 1.8 air yards and his receptions or something ridiculous on, on Sunday. So like that's not, he's not going to be the home run hitter that DK and Tyler can and have been, but like getting him doubling that, quadrupling that over the next couple of months is uh, is something else that Shane Walsh is going to be going to be able to do. Maybe even smoother than maybe we thought with with how like the offense has. We now we now know the offense can look after Sunday. Uh, defensively, Trey Brown had just a mad like ten minutes. Uh, one intercept, the pick six, a sack, and uh, a forced fumble. Um, it took a while, but that three pick uh, draft class from a couple of years ago had a day on Sunday with Stone and Trey Brown on them. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure we'll ever see three for three from that draft. That draft, but uh, you know, two out of three or three quarters or two thirds of your draft performing at any stage, you would absolutely take that. And, and um, I'm pleased for Stone Forsyth because you know it's just nice to have someone that was you know we, you did a bit of research on, and, and it's nice to see people like that come through and. Trey Brown had very much what I mean. Trey Brown is kind of like there was Withers, Devin Witherspoon for me, just with a bit less draft hype in the sense that he is a he's a brawler, he's a hitter, he's got the swag, uh, but he maybe doesn't have the pedigree or the discussion or you know, maybe the skill uh, that Witherspoon has to be talked about in the same league. But the you can see why they drafted Devin Witherspoon with Trey Brown not necessarily working out in terms of the type of cornerback they want. I think you could probably look at the two of them and the way in which they play and say, yeah, like if you close one eye and squint with the other, like they're pretty similar players in sort of their mindset of how they want to play the position. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Tariq or Reek, uh, Wallen, who's kind of- Who's sort of your Rolls that. Royce on the yeah, outside. That, yeah, like the glider kind of thing on the outside. Yeah. Got, and also Kobe Bryant kind of bombs around the place. Jamal, as we said, did bomb around the place. And then even Julian Love, though he- maybe not great on Sunday, maybe wasn't as good as I thought he was in week one. He is someone else who just 
it's just a it's a busy a busy player in the middle of the park as a a passing as well. Also, I don't you were like you was I thought you were going quite meatloaf and you just went down a different street with the two out of three. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, but yeah, but it is, it is good because Trey Brown has come back from a pretty horrific knee injury and he's he, 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 as he was getting going last year, he kind of was his uh, season was cut short, so it's quite cool to see him alongside. Alongside Jordan Brooks coming back from pretty gnarly injuries and looking like everything's uh, going to be all right on the defensive back end. Draymond Jones got the first, got the second sack of the um, Seahawks season and did the OHIO celebration in Detroit, Michigan, which <laughs> is very is, is very cool. But yeah, it's, it's it, we talked about we didn't even hear his name and. Weren't sure if he played last Sunday, but it's it's good that, that we kind of saw some of the reasons that they paid him all that money in March, Adam. Yeah, I mean it was one of those second effort sacks that ah, kind of like you feel a bit bad when a quarterback has an interception off two hands of a receiver. It almost feels a bit weird that that's a sack, you know, like a second <laughs> effort when the quarterback's sort of having a scramble, but you know, there's no picture in the scorebook, and I'm I'm sure Draymond Jones will be very pleased to have that sort of monkey off his back of getting the first big play out the way on, on the new contract. Cause you know, these guys must feel the pressure. You know, they they, have, they've yeah. gone from rookie contracts to being paid, you know, $50 million over X amount of time that has to affect you in, in some capacity. And it does, you know, we, we said in the summer, you know, Geno Smith, the way he played last year was fine for a guy earning four or $5 million. But if he's going to earn 30, then we're going to need better. And that must resonate with players in some capacity. So it, it's full credit to them when they're able to just bury that and, and just, just play. Yeah. Uh, freely, so hopefully that frees up Jones. Because yeah, we've not really seen much from him at all yet, have we? No, I mean he, he only had one other tackle on that Sunday. Um, but Julian North had thirteen tackles on Sunday. I'm guessing that's the Amon Ra uh, St. Brown effect. But like with Draymond, with every, with every player we talk about, it is it's just after the the weird some of the weird comments coming out of the Rams game, it was quite good to see everything kind of round off and a, a walk off win. In overtime on the road, when the they're wearing ski masks and all the rest of it is quite a it's, it's quite a, a first a good like first rubber stamping for this season. Obviously, hopefully, plenty more um, to come. Anyone else on the inside of the ball that we haven't mentioned? You want to give a, a dap up a bit? Um, defensively, I don't think so. What do you think of the Bobby Wagner experience so far? I, 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 it was better. He didn't look as they didn't appear to. Goff didn't appear to target him as much as I, as Stafford definitely did. But also, as I thought they may. But at the same time, as soon as we hit, as soon as Trey Brown got to and Draymond Jones got to Goff, Jared Goff come to the party. Like I, I don't think it's obviously it's not nice being. I can't imagine it's nice being being hit by what. Draymond Jones is what two seventy, two eighty, probably if not heavier. That isn't a nice experience, but I don't think as a quarterback, I've seen as often as Goff who gets, who, who makes the mistake so soon after that first like, uh oh kind of thing. It's it you just knew it was coming, and it come like two plays later when he just threw uh, miles behind his receiver and Trey Brown took it back for a pick six. Uh, yeah, this it's fine. Like he's, I think he's. Yeah, I don't really dive in enough, but I, I was quite surprised that we didn't see like Goff's um, 
throw in chat, be just like wherever number 54 was, like Stafford was the week before. I described him as the guy who plays like an older bloke in five-a-side who sort of sits just in front of the goalkeeper in the penalty area, takes yeah. all the free kicks and just takes the ball, gives the ball, takes the ball, gives the ball, doesn't actually do anything, doesn't score any goals, doesn't get any assists, but he's sort of there as the old boy in five-a-side who just dominates the play uh, and wants to be the metronome. But then you'll get a young kid that will just skin him at some point and score and like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. he can do stuff, but maybe not all of the stuff anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, Coventry City fans maybe going through that with uh, someone called Kyle McFadden at the minute. Um, but no, but the, the, the biggest thing with um, Bobby Wagner, like Pete Carroll said that he it well, he didn't get through to the team until Bobby spoke to him on Wednesday. That's mad, isn't it? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> Was it like the Michael Bennett reading a book in the meeting room on Monday? <laughs> like that? This it. He might just be going too far in, in bigging up like Bobby Bobby's leadership and impact on all that kind of stuff. But that was a wild thing to say. And I'm not I'm not I didn't watch it. I, I don't think it was called up on like what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, it's just a it's quite a weird cell phone, isn't it? Yeah. Very strange. But look, I guess that we, we but it's also not a surprise that kind of like Bobby got through to him because yeah, it's just it was such a weird thing to <laughs> say. Although he is, yeah, it was just very strange after just giving all the credit to um, uh, Bobby. Uh, yeah, I think I what is what's fair to say is that Wagner, like, and the Wagner experience for the players at least does not feel like a shtick. No, like, he's, it, it he's feels genuine, completely yeah. genuine, and yeah. they do love him. And fair fucks, like if if that's if that's a thing, then cool, ride it. Yeah, but also. I, there's probably, I mean, there's what two of the players who probably could have had this like, like if, if Sherman had come back last year, is it last year? Bit longer, I think. Yeah, so if if he had come back, it'd have probably been the same with the Tariq Wollens and Michael Jacksons, and the, wouldn't it? It would, would have been the same for Sherman. Maybe if Doug Baldwin never dusted dusted off the retirement kind of stuff. Mm. They've been the same, but like it, it is quite cool to see one of those guys who's come back around, obviously quickly. Um, I mean, I don't think any of us thought he would come back, but yeah, it's quite cool to see that kind of yeah part of that. Do it on his own back, terms. Yeah, yeah. go out on his own terms is really especially yeah. with this anniversary. You know, they're releasing the documentary of 20, 2013. You know, it's nice to see that a guy is going to get to do it on their own terms. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the team cut Tyreek Smith, who had a tackle on Sunday, apparently. Um, we spoke to uh, Tyrus Powell last season. He kind of talked about him and the Ohio State guys in that class. Like, It's quite weird that they've cut him so soon after some of this, how long the, the CJ processes and the DS-Estridges <laughs> Of the world of hung around, obviously a fifth round pick is different to a second and a third round pick, but it's quite weird to cut him already. Although it's it does sound like he may just be a practice squad stash for the next few weeks, but yeah, it's it's a change of tact for a second year player, isn't it? Yeah, I hadn't really. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, I suppose it's a position where they are fairly flush in. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, I, I guess players like Prosize have stuck around because there hasn't really been the options uh, in, in and around that 
that position room to say, well, you know, we've definitely got four guys better than him, whereas the outside linebacker, we're probably fairly well situated from a roster standpoint at this yeah. at this moment. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, and our, our man Nick Bellore made his impact out on a, on a kickoff return on Sunday with obviously another one who was back, not only in Detroit, but back in Michigan, Adam. Yeah, he absolutely laid that bloke out. James, James, <laughs> James Houston, Houston? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Football, yeah, play, playing NFL does not look one shred of fun. Play it. Oh, there's a clip of um, the Kelsey's podcast where they talked about uh, the old wedge back in the day. Back in the day, it was like seven years ago. And like, they kind of just laugh it off. It's like, it's, what, why did they let us do that kind of thing? And it's kind of like, it's it's getting to that point with, when you see kind of hits and injuries that James Houston suffered like that kind of. Why why do they still let them do this? Obviously, yeah, Nick, I mean, Nick, Nick, Nick's obviously delighted because contract and uh, longevity in the league, but oh, when you see stuff like that, and yeah, you you can't see it being far off the NFL going to the XFL style kickoff, which does yeah. make a lot of sense. Yeah, because um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I've seen that hit a few times now, and it is utterly gruesome. Yeah, I mean, without like, even being like, it's not. It's just. It's not dirty. It's not late. Not dirty, it's not, it's, it's just, just part of like the block. It's part. It's of just the play. playing the sport, but it just yeah. looks. Like, you know, sort of similar to the, unfortunately the, the injury that Nick Chubb picked up on on Monday. You know, the speed these guys are going, like stuff like that's just going to happen, and it is brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> if anyone wants to go and watch the uh, the the game back, it's quite obvious which way it is yeah. on the or where the kickoff returns. Uh, anything else from Sunday? I think that's pretty much it. I think like got the Jason Myers issue, but I mean, you just yeah. brush that off. Really, yeah, kickers are going to miss kicks, you, and you definitely can because they won. Yeah. Because that game should have been way in hand. Gino Smith is not trying to waste time running back 19 yards if Jason Wise probably even makes one of the two kicks he missed. Mm. What do you think the reaction would have been if, you know, let's say either Goff scores a touchdown instead of a field goal or we lose the kick, we lose the coin toss and they go down the other end and score and we lose 2-0? Because for me... I thought in a lot of facets, the Seahawks played about as well as they possibly could. And in fairness, I thought the Lions played pretty poorly in a number of facets. Now, they did lose Montgomery. Amon Ra wasn't full health. And I thought when that happened, they looked a little bit one-dimensional. I don't think they could get Gibbs involved enough. And I don't think he's at the level yet to win a game by himself yet, like someone like Bijan did for, for Atlanta, yeah. who just looked insane. But what do you think would have been the reaction if the Seals were 0-2 after a game like that? I think I think Gino would have been week two's DK. Okay. What, because uh, of the sack? Yeah. Because that's the last thing that happened. That, like, there's still people... I've seen comments about DK, like, comparing him to what, what Tyler is doing kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, he's never going to win here. He could... He could be Calvin. He could be Randy Moss. And I think there's still be people. Yeah, but he he has a uh, dummy as a mouth guard kind of thing. I think <laughs> Gino would have been. I think Gino on Sunday would have been all forgotten because of a 19 yard sack, which was horrific and a bit boneheaded. But I can only think that the, intentional the, grounding call got into his head. I mean, can we talk? Yeah, we, we probably should. But what on earth? And and then we get the sass from the referee who obviously went all <laughs> over social media, which is annoying. Sass uh, and racism, by the way. He's talking to us too, mate. <laughs> just admit, we're watching. I mean, insular is insular, isn't it? I mean, yeah. what was the... 
what was the athlete a few weeks ago who got uh oh, the runner Randall. about yeah, world champions my world champions. new hero yeah it's bob on these these is it noah biles that sounds no. like no devin Miles. Oh. yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll figure out and add it in post dave say as will tell us yeah 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 um but yeah like yeah, it's in series it's like said referee yeah i mean he wasn't talking to america was he there was like three cities watching that game probably um, imagine by the way having the opportunity to talk to america and what you do is you choose to discuss intentional grounding you could yes. be a revolutionary figure with that microphone. <laughs> you could change the world and you choose to call penalties. I mean, that's yeah. a sad life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, like... Can't have it both ways, mate. Nah. Um, yeah, that was just... Like, it's not intentional. Like, it was just breakdown in communication. He wasn't being pressured. It's just a wild, wild, wild um, call. Uh the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton uh, experiences. I mean, that's burning down to the ground quicker than well, anyone thought, isn't it? Like he's already saying, if was when he say we if we have to go to the wristband, we will. I think OJ Simpson's white Bronco was in better shape than the Denver Broncos at this stage. <laughs> Yours truly, OJ. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. This, yeah. I, I just realised I mentioned his name, but never mind. Um, and I love to see it, by the way. I love <laughs> no, but we've got draft picks now. It doesn't matter anymore. We, we can like support him and celebrate his wins. I mean, yeah, but what are people on with that? Why um, would you do that? Somehow, uh, was it a, a 18 points straight, straight, 18 yeah. straight points with just yeah, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, this week, Carolina, we did have a question. We oh, a question. Oh, we did, yeah, 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 we did, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of our very few listeners asked where we would rank uh, Tyler Lockett as a is it all-time Seahawks yeah. receiver. Um, well, stats have him a third in yards, uh, second in touchdowns now. Really? Uh, and third in receptions. Uh, it, it, this is kind of... It, it, it's, it, it's a recency thing, isn't it? But he's ascended past pretty much every name he can throw out by one, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's probably number two. You know, pe- people don't like ascending people in the present because there's always this assumption: well, oh, can't possibly be as good as the last guy we had, or, or the guy I watched twenty years ago. But yeah, but, th- we... but that, that might be legit because, it, but also, it was a completely different game when Steve Largent was. I mean, oh, no, I think I think Largen, Largen is obviously number one. It's going to take someone to put, yeah. You know, Lockett would have to almost double up his career <laughs> and probably have two rings to to sort of match what he's done. Yeah, but you know, we, as we love Doug Baldwin, for example, but yeah. I think it's hard to put him ahead of Lockett anymore, given the longevity of what he's done and the consistency. Yeah, um, like it's pretty mad. I mean, you say longevity. Tyler Lockett's played six more games. Than Doug Baldwin did. Is that it? Yeah, Sunday was his 129th game. Um, hmm. He's had 34 more catches than Doug had, and he's got about 500 yards more than Doug had. And that was with Russell Wilson for Doug Baldwin as well. Like I know Tyler Lockett's first what six years were with Russell, but yeah. Although I guess Doug did have Marshawn. 
But yeah, no, I, 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 it's it's large, although I, we never watched him play live. We've only seen YouTube clips and yeah, let's assume other generations. It it I think it is Tyler at number two now. Yeah, I think you're right, but it, it's not as it's pretty close though. Yeah, but it may not be by the end of next season if he's played for. Yeah, time. no, that's true. But like as of right now, as the question was asked, I think it's it's quite close. But I think Tyler has surpassed him because he just like after for like two and a half years. I think this is his last game. I think this is his last season. He's yeah, just keeps doing it and getting game winners, and <clears throat> he's just it's, yeah. There's there's probably an easy comparison to make to the football over here, but it's just. <clears throat> he, just, he just gets on with it, kind of thing. It's because like we don't see Instagram posts from him or trips to Venice or things like that. We just kind of just see him. He hasn't got stupid hair or all those tattoos. <laughs> Sixty. Put Ken Lotion to come into the chat. Then that was weird. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he just gets on with it, and it's quite. But in the same way that Dog kind of just. Gone with it, but outside the during with the quarterback <laughs> and the cornerback opposite him, he kind of just gone with it as well. So yeah, it's uh, Woots is going strong. Um, yeah, but like it's like it's how how far behind? What would DK have to do to like get close to Tyler? Because like I said, like, I think DK in some corners will never win. I think DK would have to be the face of teams that won. He he, he would have to be Calvin, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'd need to have like two catches, two touchdown catches in a championship game and one in a Super Bowl, I think, to be discussed. And <laughs> he, he's not going to do it in the longevity. I think he'd need the moments. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he'd all... need like some Jermaine Curse esque moments. Yeah. And then he could be talked about like that, I would say. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably fair. I mean, he's, he's 20, he's almost at four and a half thousand yards, DK. It's just, it's, this yeah, he's. The, I, I think the differences between Tyler and DK are bigger than maybe us like idiots can realize, kind of thing. Because just that the entire like like what I'm talking about, like Tyler gets on with it. You see a lot more from DK on the socials and stuff. He's a lot more present on there than Tyler is because we literally don't see Tyler from mid January to. Hmm. Early August, do we? So, yeah, but yeah, I, th- I think to answer the question, Tyler is uh, too too large. But I think, but even it, it, yeah, he's number one in the peak years, but he's number two uh, all time. It's gonna be it is gonna be interesting to see what what where he ends up, isn't he? Because he's he's not gonna catch anything that Largent did. I mean, it's no. insane. I mean, it's, I mean he's <laughs> like. Just if anyone listening, just go on Pro Football Reference, find the Seahawks all-time records, and just just keep going across Steve Largent's stat line. It's just it's unbelievable compared to everyone else. He's six. He's five. Six six thousand yards ahead of number two. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Uh, Carolina this week, Adam. Um, haven't watched uh, a second of any of their game. It seems Bryce Young has up and downs in week one, and then got. Dinged up on Monday night. Um, Miles Sanders seems to be finding his feet a little bit after being kind of the lead back in Philly. It's kind of a it's a it's it's a off season sign I kind of forgot about. And then when setting one of my dynasty teams, like oh yeah, uh, Miles Sanders is what the hell's that? What the hell is that going to look like? Um, 
it, it at home it should be well you'll know what it should be but I mean Brian Burns is is he still knocking around I think he's still knocking around I yeah. just said that and kind of doubt myself that's going to be another test for whatever the two tackles line up and Gino to get the ball out uh, Shaq Thompson is not there the former Husky got injured um, on Monday night or maybe in week yeah. one uh, so it's but it's all in hand for the Seahawks to back up what was a really impressive uh, road win in an early slate back at home and kind of get the the home the home crowd juice the home crowd juiced up, isn't it? It's well, I mean, they're eight and ten in their last eighteen home games, the Seahawks. Mad. So you know that home advantage is almost gone now um, yeah. for whatever reason, and you just slightly worry that that sort of sleepy Sunday afternoon, watery sunshine, 1 p.m. game is that kind of game that we just haven't done particularly well in recently. Um, but, I mean, like, Adam Thielen is the best receiver on the, on the Panthers right now. So it's a, it's a slow receiving call. Yeah, I mean, losing to this would just be... Yeah, in a way, I'm almost more worried that Andy Bolton might play instead of Bryce Young because of just that, you know, bit of know-how, bit of yeah. now and experience. He's won in that building... Um, at least once um, that scares me a little bit but yeah, yeah I mean look, if the Seahawks are serious then they should go and win this by 15-20 points yeah yeah definitely and if they do that then the conversation from two weeks ago is completely switched and the aforementioned um, balls uh, look more foolish than they look doing well you, you start there. wondering where the next loss is going to come from yeah because yeah I mean, who is it after that I think it's the Giants and then it's the Bengals after the bye. Yeah. I mean, they're they're facing the two teams facing completely different questions. Yeah. I mean, through six quarters and two of them against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, but the NFC West is kind of interesting, isn't it? Through two weeks. I mean, I know they lost both, but the Cardinals have got a few jabs in. Obviously, we talked about the Rams, the Niners are the Niners. McCaffrey gives scores every week. Um, it's 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 not the kind of slanted division we maybe thought. Although again, two weeks, week two, week three is going to be different in week seventeen. But there's a bit more fight in this. It's going to be a tougher one to get those the four and two division record, even the three and three, isn't it? Because there's a bit more to it. Yeah, I never thought Jonathan Gannon could possibly be as bad as it was made out he might be. By some of those video clips, it was almost like they made him look bad on purpose with sort of bad cutting. Yeah, uh, he must have something about him to be fairly inspirational. I mean, look, look, the Rams have always played ridiculously hard for McVeigh and fair play to him for for doing that. So, yeah, this division is never going to be a cakewalk. You know, even if half of the teams on paper don't look the best, you know, we've lost the far worse Rams and far worse Cardinals teams than the current ones there are in the past. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I did the scene the score I went to bed on Sunday was obviously, obviously they woke up when they lost, but yeah, I mean I mean he he coached in the Super Bowl eight months ago. Mm. So he's clearly not got something to him. Uh anything else? Anyone for the bin this week? Anyone for the bin? And I'm not necessarily the bin, but if we may have discussed this before, but the whole sort of grass versus turf field discussion I feel is getting very binary and reductive to the point where it's almost like all grass is perfect, all turf is bad. And obviously, you know, in an ideal world, you would have a situation where you'd have grass fields, but not that you should sympathise with billionaires, but it would be a bit weird for 
you know, some stadiums to be used 10 times a year and that's it. You know, that's not what's going to happen in 2023, uh, however much you want to do it. And so unless you can find a way to, you know, like the Steelers do, uh, where they've got Pitt that play in the same field, so it gets used 20 times. But even then, no one has discussed once that the injuries on Monday night happen on a grass yeah. field. Yeah. Uh, and they probably didn't cause it, but then I'm not sure these turf fields are necessarily causing all of these injuries that they claim they do. So I'm getting quite bored of that discussion. And especially when like you get idiot journal or random journalists, like I spoke to the whole locker room today. They'd all rather play on grass. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. No, the, the, the lack of chat around Trump's injury happening um, while he was already being tackled and then, um, on grass is quite interesting. I do think a lot of the chat was because it was Aaron Rodgers and yeah. they had to blame someone for something quite funny happening, let's be honest. Yeah, who are these people that are showing sympathy for Rodgers? I mean, yeah, what's wrong like, with you? I'd like you? You're in the group chat. I posted the message at half one in the morning just with <laughs> 70,000 consecutive ha-ha-has because it was, it, was, it was so... Like, he ran out with an American flag on 9-11 in New York four and a half minutes before he's... His calf went bye bye. His Achilles went bye bye. It's and then he like how he was treating it. And he's just like I a huge <sighs> sympathise with the Jets and their fans. Yeah, like the the fans definitely. Robert Salah, yeah. The players, Randall Cobbs and Lazards, nah, you you yeah, you kind of deserve it for following a thirty nine year old quarterback across the country. But the Jets fans, like Salah and. Yeah, but it's so funny. It's like I'm sorry, but it's so fucking funny. Like, yeah, his his appearance on Pat. How I know Pat McAfee is kind of staunch defender of him, but how he keep how he kept a straight face when he's talking about how he's treating a, a torn Achilles. Like America, as that referee spoke to on Sunday, saw it pop. Like it's just he ha- he he has to know what he's doing, right? He. He's well, I that. didn't hear what he said. I can't. I have to find it. He said he was treating it in some wild way, which just isn't going to work. Look at Steve <laughs> Jobs. Steve Jobs treated it with herbal, and now Apple haven't made a innovation for like ten years. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and yeah, the fact he got operated on as well with everything he said about COVID. Inge- oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's a different uh, conversation and topic. But yeah, it's just <laughs> he's just he's he's funny. It's so funny. I mean, what a week Pat McAfee had. Yeah. The Rock on Saturday, Deion Sanders. No, The Rock on Friday, Deion Sanders on Saturday. Stifling a laugh with Aaron Rodgers on Tuesday. Um, yeah, you can kind of. I know there's a lot of chat about him. But you can kind of, you do even not even watching it live. You can see why ESPN threw the money at him, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Quite yeah. weird the um, the Colorado like Dion pushback. I mean, I know that you're always going to get this when you see arrogant people, well, arrogant slash confident, especially arrogant, confident African-American people in America sort of changing the way things go. But I'm seeing like Husky fans saying, oh, I can't wait for Oregon to teach them a lesson on Saturday. Like, I think it's fantastic. It's it's unbelievable. Like no one outside of Boulder has talked about Colorado. Ever. Like, for as long as I've followed American football. We went to a pub in Seattle yeah. and completely forgot that we watched Colorado play <laughs> 10 years ago. It's, yeah, it's it's like, it's Deion Sanders. It's not like, it's not like Antonio Brown. Like He's always been this. He was this mm. in 1992. 
And he was like, it was this when he was on Air Farm Network and the character, was it Sanderson? He created the character with the wig. Like it's, but it, it also is kind of like, it kind of shows like how, I don't know, the way some other college coaches were talked to, maybe, because he's just gone in, he's gone to Jackson State. Like also the stuff about his son, his son was a, was it a four star recruit? It shouldn't be a surprise that he's doing all this, but yeah, the the, the on stuff is. I mean, I, 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 what watching him is at times a bit awkward because I, I don't think he's very wild, is he? He's got With like foot stuff. Yeah, like he, mm. he he looks uncomfortable, but watching him like get a tune out of that team and just just put a a college town on fire. Hmm. But we kind of saw it to a lesser extent, and maybe we could get Dugar on to talk about it in a few weeks. What White Leach did up in over in Pullman with the Cougars, it's, it's kind of the same. Like he's put that especially college, with Minshew. Yeah, he's kind of put that college on the map. But, but, but oh, you said with the African American coaches kind of thing, it's the same kind of vibe because the way Leach was talked about compared to how Dion's talked about, and Leach, it's probably even more problematic. <laughs> Than the the others, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 really cool to see that he's just everywhere. I mean, they're kicking off at nine a.m. this week because Fox wanted to go there again. Yeah, I, I do feel like pe- people are very quick to doubt great people, and they yeah. often end up with egg on their face because they'll be well, they can't do this, and then they do it, and well, they they won't be able to do that, and they do it, and. Yeah. That ends up happening a lot, and people end up building up a long list of receipts from people that doubt them. Uh, and it really would not stun me if Dion, you know, is a top coach at some point. I I don't see him going to the NFL ever. No, he, he's 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 he's, he's going to make just as much money from a Florida State, a Texas, a Miami, a a USC, maybe down the line, someone like that. He's going to make as much yeah. money as he is. And like, kind of be protected more. Like they're protected more. Look, look at Lincoln Riley this week. That's who I was going to put in the bin. Like for <laughs> banning a reporter um, for two weeks for asking a, a player a question that is locker and not in um, predetermined um, availability. Being, but he's getting fried for it because he's not in Lincoln, Oklahoma anymore. He's or Norman, Oklahoma. He's in a uh, big bad LA in California. Um, yeah, it's really cool, and uh, yeah, I mean, the I, I it was I, I do think they might beat the Ducks on on Saturday night. I can see them having a glorious failure. Yeah, I mean, they nearly did on Saturday against yeah Colorado State. Uh, yeah, I think that's every predictions Saturday. Sunday. I, 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 also, there's someone back on Sunday actually. Uh, someone tweeted, I think it's one of the guys who works on uh, what was Seattle Sports, what was 710, that the Seahawks have never played a home game wearing white. Are they going to this week? Well, I think the Panthers are wearing all black. Okay. So they have it's either white or neon green. But and I I, I didn't I didn't realize the American thing where every most every road kit, every, is every road kit is white until about seven eight years ago. Yeah. So how it's like, yeah. Imagine if you've never seen Spurs wear white. <laughs> yeah, that is mad, isn't it? Yeah. 
It's uh, a pretty general colour on like sports uniforms and yeah, it just I saw it, it was like that can't be right, but well, I can't be I have to go and look into <laughs> if it is. Uh yeah, I think the Seahawks gonna win twenty seven thirteen, and I'm not certain the score changes much on the quarterback. I do think it's a slow receiver core yeah. and everything else. Shaq Thompson's a massive loss for them with that defense, but they're still got cheered and burns. Thirty one sixteen for me. Does it change with the quarterback? No, not really. Touchdown of three field goals is what I can see the Panthers getting hold of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, maybe we'll be back next week. It's Solheim Cup weekend this weekend. Europe have got the Americans over to Spain and going to absolutely annihilate them uh, down in Andalusia. Then next week is the Ryder Cup and four of my mates are going and one of them has no interest in golf and it's the most annoying thing in the <laughs> fucking world that, that she's taken off all my bucket list things and yeah, I just, just wants to go to Rome for six days. Which yeah, Bastard. but yeah, uh, yeah. Until all usual means and methods, uh, get involved with questions. A shout out to Nick uh, for that one. Uh, yeah, until we have got time. our own Twitter account now, the Ped at yeah. the Ped Pod. At, Please do follow that. Yeah, at the Ped Pod, P E D P O D. I shouldn't have to spell either of those. But I'm also going to spell T H E as well if that's not true either. But uh, you never know. Some of our listeners are yeah. All usual means and methods. Spotify iTunes, Podbean, Seahawks play 9 o'clock on Sunday. Enjoy the game from wherever corner of the world you are watching it from. And until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks.